I'd like to start a new sermon series this morning and spend the next few weeks basically looking at the subject of prayer with you. Lori set us up very well last week in her sermon and helped us to see that in coming to God just as we are, we are stepping into that place where we are in the process of prayer and, and communication with God. It's that the courage to pray is based on the trust that the one who made us knows us and welcomes us into his presence. And so prayer is, as we're going to be talking about it over the next few weeks, prayer is the act of literally stepping into God's light. It's developing that awareness of God's presence and of resting in God's light. It's the light that transforms us, the light that we reflect to our world. And we uh, heard, if you did hear, uh, scripture texts from the 34th Psalm and the 27th Psalm. And I want to read an additional text from 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 through 18. It comes at the end of a discussion that Paul is having where he's using the image of Moses receiving the law in the wilderness and the glory that is on his face as a result of encountering the living God and how he has to put a mask over his face to kind of help the people to be able to sit in that glory because it's just so bright as he's received the law. It's told in the book of Exodus and that mask that Moses wears is to protect them from the brightness in the book of Exodus. But Paul runs with that image and says, we're in a new day. And he says in 2 Corinthians that there's something bigger than just this mediated glory of the law. And actually what Moses was doing was putting a face mask on so that they couldn't tell that that glory was fading, that the fading glory was covered by this very mask that, that Moses wore and that something bigger than the glory of God as mediated by the law is happening now in the person of Jesus Christ through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And so looking at the end of chapter three, where Paul makes his conclusion in this portion of the text, he says, now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, help us to relax into the awareness of your presence with us. Irrespective of our circumstances, irrespective of where we are, irrespective of who is with us. In our immediate presence or over this virtual service on Zoom. Help us to relax into your presence and so step into your light and hear what you have to tell us and rest in the confidence that there is nothing that can shake us loose from your love. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, as Lori preached to us, I couldn't help but hear Fred Rogers' voice in some of what she was saying. 
I couldn't help but hear his promise to the children who had tuned in, and in my case, their parents who had tuned in to watch what he was having to say to their kids, where he would, almost as a, a liturgy each week, talk about how he likes us just the way we are. That simple message of grace, that God likes us just the way we are, is the message that God gives us every time we come to him in prayer. It's a message that says, essentially, I made you. I know who you are, warts and all. And I want nothing more, and frankly, nothing less, than to be in relationship with you. And prayer is the act of engaging this relationship. It's the act of responding to God's invitation. It's the act of stepping into God's light, stepping into God's presence, and holding ourselves there. And so we want, over the next few weeks, to spend some time exploring how do we do this in everyday encounters with the world around us? How do we step into God's presence and hold ourselves there? We want to spend some time exploring what it means to make ourselves available to this transforming work of the Spirit, irrespective of where we are. And so much in Scripture is simply the reiteration of this plain and simple divine invitation to relationship. And as we look at the Scriptures that were read today, we see that invitation being issued in a couple of different ways in a kind of call to worship, in the offer of a, an open door to come into God's presence, and in the, the assurance that the one who made us wants more than anything else and that his divine intention more than anything else is that desire to relate to us. And the struggle to believe and actually act on this invitation is where prayer begins. The choice to risk the encounter and to hear the invitation and risk acting on it. And our texts for today really point to that invitation and the admonition to take the risk. We start with the 27th Psalm. And in the 27th Psalm, there are these verses. I'm going to look at a number of them here. First of all, the verse one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my very life. Lord, in other words, you are my light. So why should I be afraid? Who should I fear if, if you're my light? And then in verse four, one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I want to be with you, Lord. Nowhere else, just with you. Because you're everywhere. And then in verses 6 through 9, now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, and be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says. Seek God's face. 
Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Okay, I'll take the risk, is what the psalmist says. I'll lift my head. I'll offer sacrifices. I'll sing. I'll come into your presence in an act of worship. I'll respond to that inner desire that you put in me when you made me, that inner desire to seek your face. So here it goes. I'll do that. But please don't hide your face from me. And then verses 13 and 14, as the psalm ends, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. It takes some courage to engage in this encounter. It's not a simple step. It's a plunge into what feels initially like an abyss. But in the words of poet Christian Wyman, it's a bright abyss. It's one that that feels risky, but also bathes us in light. And then there are the lines from the 34th Psalm. And I want to call to our attention again, especially verses 4 through 8. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So look to God and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. It's an encouragement to take the plunge, to jump into that place that feels initially like an abyss. It's the act of looking to God, of stepping into light, and that stepping into light doesn't incinerate us. It actually makes us radiant because more of who we are, more of who he made us to be is what happens and what comes into view because of that radiance. If anything is incinerated, as the psalmist tells us, it's our shame. The various world-imposed and self-imposed definitions that make us wither, those are the things that are incinerated by the light of God's love. And so the psalmist is encouraging us, go ahead, take the step. Take that step toward God. Take literally a taste of God. Take a bite of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good and you'll be happy you did because God is a refuge for us. God is not an abyss. And then we have St. Paul's words in 2 Corinthians. And above all else, there the promise of freedom. That when we step into that light, we feel a kind of freedom that we wouldn't otherwise know. That this light, the light of this glory, actually transforms us, says Paul. It actually makes us into who God intended us to be. You know, when Paul tells his story throughout his letters in the New Testament, he tells the story of mainly being freed, of being set free, of being liberated. He he tells the story, first of all, of a life dedicated to understanding and trying to obey God's laws, trying to understand all of the dimensions of the principles of the law, and always coming up short as he tries to live them. And doing wrong to others in the process of trying to protect and enforce this law. 
and ultimately leading to his own sense of shame. But he finds freedom after he was knocked down by a blinding light, a light that initially robbed him of his sight and yet helped him also to see in brand new ways. A light that initially blinded him, but then opened his eyes to a path of freedom. And that sense of transforming glory that he speaks of in this text, where there's freedom because the spirit of the Lord is at work. The Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. In looking to Jesus, in stepping into the light, in seeking the face of God, what we also see is a reflection of ourselves. We see in his cross a reflection of our brokenness and our need, but we also see a reflection that tells us that we are loved. We look to Jesus and we see a reflection of ourselves transformed and growing up into the likeness of Christ. And that comes not just through a struggle of obedience to a particular set of rules, not just a obedience to a, an unending struggle of trying to prove and, and live into a place of acceptability, but an invitation to the process of actually becoming all that God created us to be. It's pretty heady stuff, and I wish someone could prescribe a pill for it. I wish we could take a simple three-step process to achieve that transformation, but it's life work. And it begins simply with that choice to lift our heads toward God, to step into light and to answer the invitation to relationship. There's no pill, there's no formula, but I would like to show you a picture. It's the picture we're using as the, the logo for this particular series. This painting was painted in 1928. It's called Ruby Green Singing by an artist by the name of James Chapin, and it now hangs in the Norton Museum of Art in West Palm Beach, Florida. It's the most visited painting in that museum. And for me, it is the illustration of that line from the Psalm, now is my head lifted up. Come, my heart says, seek God's face. It is for me the picture of that invitation to look to God and to be radiant. And so our faces will never be ashamed. The light of God's love transforms. The light of God's love invites us to life. The invitation of God therefore is to always step into the light and behold the one who has beheld us and loves us. Let's pray. Lord God, turn our attention to you. Help us in every moment 
to see that every moment has everything to do with you because you are present with us. That you are with us and therefore the one inviting us to life and providing a refuge from which we operate. We thank you for this. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.